0: and welcome to the DigiDay podcast. I'm Lara O'Reilly, DigiDay's senior correspondent based over in the UK and it gives me great pleasure to welcome a fellow Brit to the show this week. Christopher Kenner is the CEO of Brand Advance, the UK-based global diversity media network. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Chris. Um, so yeah, it's kind of fair to say I, I wanted to start kind of right at the beginning because um, I think it's fair to say that you didn't take maybe the most conventional, well-traveled route <laughs> into, the, into the media industry. Um, and I wanted to give um, our listeners a, a little flavor, um, if I may, of the years that led up to you founding um, your, your current company. So I, I don't know whether we start kind of at the very beginning. Um, I don't I don't think many of our US listeners probably know where the Isle of Man is, but, um, <laughs> but that's where you were born. Um, very, very small um, British island that has a population of what, like 80,000 or something like that. Um, yeah. So let's start there.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Isle of Man. Uh, for people on the other side of the pond, if you're looking at the UK map, you've got the big bit, and then you've got Ireland, which is a smaller bit. There's an, a little island right in the middle of the big bit being uh, England, Scotland and Wales and the small bit being Ireland. There's a little dot in the middle, never really shown on weather maps and certainly covered if they have a weather symbol. But yeah, population about 80, 70, 80,000 um, as the first black kid ever born there, you know, which um, well, just is. Um,
0: it's good to start off with a with an achievement from the very get-go <laughs>
1: Isn't it? i was destined to have a wall <laughs> full of trophies and certificates because i got a certificate for that um i don't remember getting it obviously i was born but um when because so skip forward a bit i was in care in and out of care and when you come out of care you get like a big thingy of like all the achievements that you've ever had um uh, and pretty much anything anybody's ever written about you yeah, up until that point, up until you're 16, and the very first thing in there was this certificate from Jane Crookle Hospital. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, from there, um, you spent a, a number of years in the in the British Army. Is that right? Where, where were you based?
1: Yeah. So I was based out in Germany first. Um, so I did my, my my basic training here in England, in Bazenburg. and Then I went to Blamford, which is the Army School of Signals, um, to do my sort of second phase training, which is your... Um, I was a, uh, an army communicator, so to go there and learn how to use a radio, and et cetera, et cetera. A bit more than that, but you know what I mean. Um, so I was destined for comms. So maybe they're not all as so far apart as you think, You know, um, army to media, we're basically doing the same thing. So, and then, yeah, I was posted out to Germany when I was 17 and met my now ex-wife, had my first kid when I was 17. So early starter on the fatherhood. And yeah, I have two kids now. They're both half German, half English. They live in Germany. My daughter goes to uni in Berlin. My son goes to high school in um, Bielefeld in Germany. Um, Yeah, I did tours, two tours of Iraq, one tour of Afghan.
0: And what what led you to leave the army?
1: Uh, Oh, well, I was involved in an IED, so I have epilepsy now um, because of a head injury. And so, yeah, I can't. Epilepsy and a rifle don't mix.
0: (laughs) No, I imagine that's not a good combination. (laughs) Definitely Um, not. So, and then kind of media came calling for you. Uh, well, or you came calling for media.
1: Well, I, I don't know who called for who, but well, I think I'm going to this. I'm going to sound a little arrogant now, but I think definitely media needed needs people like me. Um, You know, just the background. I don't mean specifically me. There's nothing particularly special about me, but the um, I mean, you know, people from my background, people that didn't, you know, 2.4 family income go through uni and blah, blah, blah. You know, we need a diversity of voices. We need uh, diversity of thought. So, yeah, I think it needed me as much as I needed it. Um, but, no, so I started off uh, in... So I went and got out of the army. I went straight back to Manchester. Um, I'd spent a lot of time in Manchester in care and blah, blah, blah. Um, went back to Manchester um, and then, yeah, fell into acting and presenting. <laughs> Don't even, I'm not going to go too much into it because it's a part of my life I've been trying to forget. But yeah, ended up doing, uh, presenting things like Price Drop TV. Um, I did a bit of MTV for a couple of years as a presenter. got my own show on Sky, which was probably the most unwatched show on British TV. <laughs> um, okay. what,
0: what was that show?
1: It was called The Chris Kenner Show. Oh, wow. So I was destined the to be a narcissist as well. <laughs> <laughs> And then I made a production. Got, I started up a production company, and did a lot of factual shows. I did shows like Queer Street. Did um, drama series that was on TV called The Ends. I wrote and directed that. I direct, produced and directed Queer Street. A couple of football documentaries. City of Champions, one about uh, Manchester City. It was an official release and um, DVD for for Manchester City, and I did one about Glasgow Rangers as well. Um, Yeah, so, and then sold the rights to a lot of the shows for that and came to London. And that's how I got into, uh, sort of went into um, media and more the advertising. The agency went and worked at a company called um, Do.com, which is now sort of partly part of Kinetic now. Um, But yeah.
0: And the reason I ask, we haven't kind of like rebranded the Diddy Day podcast to This Is Your Life, but I just think it's a really good grounding because it, it kind of, it, I think it explains um, perhaps why you founded Brand Advance in, in 2017. So could you take us to the 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 genesis of that moment? I guess kind of you'd already kind of gone out on your own with some of your previous ventures before, but what, what the need was for a company like Brand Advance at, at that time?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean if Brandon advance was to be formed now everybody would say that is the most timely company blah 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 you know the, the the need wouldn't be questioned back then it was questioned um it took well, it took a global pandemic for people to actually realize that diversity was a main staple of every media plan of every comms that we do and should be, you know, we should reflect the society we're trying to sell our products to, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, but back then, so really, although Companies House might tell you that it was founded in 2017, it didn't actually start till the beginning, uh, till mid 2018. 2017, I registered the idea, ah. um. But then didn't actually, you know, have the uh, resource, time, or I suppose full inclination to, to get going until mid-2018. So um, so it's been quite a fast ride since then. Uh, I founded Brand Advance. Why did I find it? Well, we're Diversity Media Network, there's a group of companies now. So I'm CEO of three companies now. So there's Brand Advance, uh, Diversity Media Network, There's DECA Media Consultancy, which is a diversity media consultancy partnered with Ubiquity. And um, there's Sentiment, which is a data and intelligence. So diversity-focused data and intelligence company. Um, And all of them have one thing in common, diversity, reaching diversity, speaking to diversity, understanding diversity. And by diversity, I mean in any country, because we work across, you know, about 52 countries in any country, not the ethnic population. Um, is that is that the right phrase? The ethnic population, yeah, not the you know. So Indians in the UK, but not Indians in India. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. LGBT everywhere, obviously, and 15 plus, and uh, disability, and religion, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, from an ethnicity po- point of view, and uh, not the ethnic poly- uh, population. Every other uh, demographic. That's there, we help to reach and understand and represent. Um I have two kids. I've said this a lot before, but for the benefit of anybody that I haven't um gobbed off to, um, is I've got two kids, one's white, one's black. Well, Jerome, he he, he would say he's black, but he's mixed race and he's a bit lighter than me. But he he, you know, he identifies as black, as do I. And he Life isn't the same for him as it is for for Kyra, my daughter, who's blonde blue-eyed, more German than German. So it was literally, you know, what was it, the Aryan race? She every tick box on that. Um, So she's she's very, she just lives, you know, as a German Um, citizen, thinks as a German citizen. Jerome doesn't because... You know, that's not the culture. He's more culturally aware, so he, he culturally identifies differently. Um, and But advertising doesn't speak to my son like it does my daughter. Advertising blocks words like black and interracial or Muslim or black man or blackie. You know, I know this because I've seen you know, a lot of your listeners probably is, um uh, keyword blacklists because you know like I said we're, we're uh, um brand Vance that's what it does it helps mm. to reach these demographics so um, we know what words are on there and you know now even more now than before but when I first set it up I knew the word black was on there his dad me I came out for being gay well no I was always gay I just came out um the um you know, there's words that block his dad as well, as in me, you know, gay, uh, les- not lesbian, but lesbian, um, you know, words like that. are Gay and lesbian are the most, uh, two of the most blocked words. I know yous have done quite, you know, Digiday's done quite a lot of articles on it. We all know it now. We all know that, uh, you know, brand safety has encroached on uh, reach and, dare I say it, civil liberty you know we if you're going to block a whole race religion or sexual orientation you know you couldn't you couldn't block me in the real world but for some reason advertising's blocking us in the uh, in the digital world you know brands have, have words that describe a race as a keyword mm. block you know so um so yeah that's why i set it up because it's wrong and we can do better we can do better as an industry we can do better as individuals we can do better as um, you know, as brands, you know, media and advertising, yeah, I'd had my little spout in front of the camera and then come behind the camera. Um, and now I'm, you know, running across media and content and technology, you know, because of all of our mm-hmm. companies, speech, all of that. But the, we, we definitely, you know, across all of them, I, I feel like. And maybe this gives a bit of weight to why you asked all the questions at the beginning. I feel a, a bit like Slumdog Millionaire. You know, on Slumdog Millionaire, where he answers all the questions, and no, they, he answers all the questions because moments in his life gave him the answer. You know, yeah, um, like the the number on the door in the hotel room where a particular argument happened or blah blah blah. You know, all these little things. I feel like my life's been that for Brand Vance, like mm-hmm. quite literally. First black kid on an island, you know. So, from the beginning, I knew what it was like. You know, from the second of birth, I knew what it was like to be different. And then, you know, in and out of care because, and, you know, to know what it's like to have nothing, you know, just them kind of things. And this isn't a pity party for Chris because, God, I'm a very privileged black guy. So, nobody needs to pity me. Um, but I think it all, you know, it builds you, doesn't it? It builds who you are, it builds how you are, How you are, um, and that's, like, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't be able to do what I've done with Brand Advance, the people, I wouldn't have met the people that have helped Brand Advance be, because let's not pretend, you know, I'm just the gob, everybody else are the doers, you know, Brand Advance now has nearly 80 staff, um, so I think about 79 staff, um, and, you know, they're the ones that actually get stuff done that the clients are coming back for. I just mm. gob off that they should have done it in the first place. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. I'm, yeah, I'm sure every CEO is the
0: same. Okay, time for a quick break. What What I'm interested to get a sense um, of as you're kind of really working on 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 this on a kind of daily basis is whether there has been a, a kind of. Um, like a, a, a Damascus kind of moment in the industry where the majority of companies have recognized that this is a stupid thing to be doing, to have, having yeah. just these blanket block lists and clearly, you know, the second order impact that has on news publishers and publishers that cater to black or minority voices and, and communities and so on. Yeah. Um, you know, The hope would be it is it has been raised so many times now in industry press, you raise it on stages. Um, Publishers have have complained about it. Um, ha- have advertisers changed their ways on the whole, or are you still seeing the same things happening over and over?
1: No, um, no. The good thing is, massively they've changed. I'm not saying this to big any up anybody. The numbers. I think because it, all the changes has been this year. No, mm. you've not been. Nobody's been able to publicly put out numbers or um, spend or you know because. <laughs> The thing with brand advance is you can see when more people are spending on diversity because brand advance gets bigger, <laughs> you know, like more revenue goes through us because they're spending in black media or LGBT media, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we get a true insight of brands that have actually are changing this and they really are fast as well. You can tell a little bit as well, I suppose, like because look at how many agencies have come out proclaiming to be Um, diversity first agencies, Mm. Mediacom, Mindshare, Wavemaker, Habas. You know, everybody's come out saying we are now diversity first or this is a key focus moving forward. It's because all the clients are saying, I want to do better. When was the last time you checked my keyword block list agency? Because, you know, I pay you to advise me well you know, tell me where to stick my money. You've not told me to stick it there yet. They're a bit, you know, I will always defend the agencies. The clients also haven't put it in the brief that they've given to the clients, you know, and um, tell me where I can find a, my ABC ones is never going to make any agency. And therefore strategy or media team start thinking about black media. You know, mm-hmm. they, they're going to be thinking about Condé Nast and Bauer and, you know, of course they are. So, um, it's it's from all levels that it that it, you know the reasoning to why we didn't get here sooner but i have lost count now of the amount the amount of um, clients that either i am or the whole of our team in in brand advance or our team in decca the media consultancy are speaking to right now where Going through keyword block lists, going through their technology, and un- helping them fa- understand where their consumers are in Black Britain or in Indian Britain or Pakistani or Bangladeshi Britain, you know, make um, and then doing the same in Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Nordics as well, and in the U.S. and Canada. So it's happening globally. We've you know Pandora's box has been opened. The conversation will calm down in the end. You know, that's just, but we can't always have the race conversation, but hopefully we're going to have it long enough and um, loud enough that by the time we stop having it, enough's changed that we never have to have this conversation again, you know? Mm. Um, we can start trying to put something else to uh, to bed. But yeah, the, the, I think what's changed now, this has always been, oh, I would like to think, I've been on here 38 years and I would like to think, diversity you know is at least the last 10 to 15 has been in the agenda somewhere Mm. nowhere near where it should have been but I would like to think people even if it was a passing thought did flicker through this the difference now is it's a commercial imperative to get it done you know when five or six of the top agencies come out and say we're diversity first that's because they commercially need to be as because their clients are saying, "I want you to help me do this. Do you have the expertise to do this? Because I know what the, the makeup of the teams are that you've sent to every strategy meeting I've met. So I'm asking <laughs> you, you know."
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, clearly, I mean, you yeah, know, keyword blocking is one technical thing, and and it, you know, where there's been a kind of moment of reckoning, but clearly you know there there's been a far bigger movement and as i said you know for many businesses it was um you know not soon enough but but in the wake of of george floyd's murder it was per- perhaps the first time they they publicly took a stand on racial injustice issues and pledged to do more to drive equality in their own workplaces um yeah I guess what's interesting to see now is or what will be interesting to do is track that back in a year and see which mm-hmm. companies kind of followed through. Yeah. Um I'm assuming that clients have come to you and not just you but Brand Advance to ask for your kind of advice during this time. Um what kind of things do you say to them? Um and do you ever kind of turn down a business for for that kind of work because it's maybe coming from a a disingenuous place?
1: Uh so I'll answer the second question first. No. I I believe me, my team want us to all the time. Um and not because we need the money or we're greedy or anything like that, because uh, we're in a you know, we're in a privileged position to not need their money. But what we don't want to be is this gatekeepers of right and wrong, or these the, you know, we're not judge dread. We we don't decide, we're not You know, yes, most things in business come from a disingenuous place. It's business. It's the most ruthless thing on earth, you know. So if we're going to wait for everybody to come and have a chat with us from a good, kind, you know, place, then it's we're going to be waiting for a long time for them people. They're very few and far between. Um, There's a first time for everything. And actually, whether the person that comes to brand events and says "I need to do this" or they say "I want to do this," because that's normally how we know the difference. Somebody says "I need to do it" means they didn't; they don't truly believe that it's. uh, They wouldn't. They, you know, they just they need to do it because somebody's told them to, or they need to do it because commercially it makes more sense now. Or you know, when they say "I want to do this," it's come from a nice place. They want to do it because it it makes them feel better. They want to do it because they feel like it's the right thing for them to do. And they want to do it because they want to leave the world a little bit of a better place. You know, people like Chris Ludd from Nationwide, uh, you know, he's, he's a privileged white guy. And he won't mind me saying this, but...
0: He, so a UK bank, by the way, nationwide. Oh,
1: yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Could have went for something more international. Uh, Louis Como from Unilever. We all know them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people like them that just push this and walk into an agency and says, you will do this, you know, because it's the right thing to do. So I don't care what you have to do internally to sort it out, but you're going to do this. We are going to now make sure that a portion of spend goes to these demographics. We're going to, and we're not just going to do it half-heartedly, we're going to build our own business case. So rather than now all of a sudden start spending in black media, go away and find out where are my consumers in the black community? What are they doing? uh do they like my brand do they dislike my brand you know these are this is the stuff we work through with clients is rather than just because at the very beginning of brand advance it would just be these tokenistic campaigns we'd get oh here's 20k you know um but actually now it's more on a two three year strategic level let's find who your consumers are don't and this is incremental reach as well you know we've Try and tell everybody, don't come at this because it's a diversity thing to do. We're going to give you more people that could possibly buy your brand. It's an incremental reach to what you're already doing. If you've never spent in black media or LGBT media or disability media, you know, this is a lot of people that you're going to reach in a contextually relevant environment um, with contextually relevant creative people. Um, and it's going to add to your plan. Don't don't think of it as tokenistic. Think of it as now the new area in context. So that's the kind of conversations we have now. We have a lot of internal discussions, you know, as the team's grown, especially, um, where we we don't ever decide, no, we're not gonna work with anybody or certainly not for a reason like that. We might not work with someone in the future because they just weren't nice to work with, but not because they're disingenuous or not because Mm. uh, they've made mistakes, you know, but as long as they are willing from that day forth to sustainably reach that demographic, you know, it's a concerted effort. you're going to, okay, so you you want to do it because we get this a lot. We want to do a test campaign. We like, go, oh, okay, well, why is it a test campaign, by the way? Do you, do you often do test campaigns? Has anyone ever run a test campaign in white media or is it just a campaign, but a test campaign in black media? Um, so we often push back on test campaign because, well, I'm not testing being black. I was born it and LGBTQ plus people aren't testing being LGBTQ plus, they just are. You know, so we don't understand why you have to test if we're a good consumer, but um, mm. but we we sort of say, okay, you know, do do your test campaign, and then when you really see, but uh, you know, the thing with the test campaign is, well, maybe nobody wanted to buy your product in that one month but the other 11 months they might have wanted to. So your test campaign should be a year for one, not a whole campaign for a year, but you should make efforts throughout a whole 12 month period and then evaluate, you know, don't just do pride month um, and then say, Oh, we didn't get enough sales. We, we don't think they're a good consumer. Everybody was selling to LGBTQ plus in pride month and we only have a certain amount of money, you know, yeah. so um, there's going to be winners and losers. So yeah, it's, I'm waffling a little bit, Laura, but I think that's, that answers it in that it's we would never turn anyone down. They just need to want to continue to do it, you know, and, and to well, be
0: better. I, I, I also think your your point about, um, you know, this idea of a test, but there's, there's, there's so much that goes into an ad beyond... Um, as you say the the media that it's placed in that that makes it effective um and one thing i was kind of interested in is um the way in which you you test creative at brand advance um the fact that you know if there's your in-house creative team tests kind of every single piece of creative against representatives from the community in question um which which sounds really interesting, but also I think what's kind of interesting is is how high the bar is for it for it being approved as well. Um, have you managed to kind of not only just just you know keep on doing that yourselves in house, but encourage other agencies and, and marketers to take on a, a similar approach too?
1: Yeah, I mean. <laughs> By encouraged, do you mean have any other agencies stolen our idea and now they do it? <laughs> uh, yes.
0: <laughs> have they? Well, that, that's
1: that, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I suppose imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but um, but yes. So and then there's people like Richie Miles. I don't know if you know him, but he um, in the UK he runs the Diversity Standards Collective. So they they sort of go in and do this for brands as well, um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, so for anybody that doesn't know, what we have is this seven tens rule, and basically, any piece of creative given to us, whether it's going out on our on our ad server, whether it's going out on print, TV, radio, out of home, whatever, we run it by at least ten people from the community. It's uh, it, it, that is depicted in that demographic, or that it's going, it's meant to reach. Um, and then they quickly fill in a few a uh, little questionnaire, and they get and it comes straight back. And if seven or more basically fill in the questionnaire to a standard that's a thumbs up, it goes out. Any less than that, and we are pushed back against the client. Now, believe me when I tell you this, and I obviously can't divulge who it is or anything like that. But this has there are major world brands. That will probably, thankfully, stay clients of Brand Advance for a very long time because they have been saved from extremely hot water by creative that would have been seen as nothing more than homophobic or racist. Different ones. But um, yeah, it's, it's saved some brands behind, you know, because we don't all see things that another demographic would. We... Yeah, you know you've got that you know personally we've all got that analogy we read a text one way one day and we read the same text another way a different day you know different demographics and uh, your unconscious bias and your lived experiences make you see something and interpret it interpret it in a certain way so um demographics come, you know they have certain backgrounds um will look at an ad differently to how you Laura or even me you know because I I brought up in the UK a very privileged Mm. country I look at ads different to what someone from Africa would look at it you know Mm. um and so it seems
0: like such a simple thing yeah it's one of those simple things like you know, why, why weren't people doing before. <laughs> testing <laughs> before? I mean, it just seemed, you know, it's like wheels on suitcases. Like why Yes, weren't, weren't advertisers doing this?
1: Yeah, it, it really is. It's like, do you not check your work? Like, is that not what it is? It's checking your work. You know, <laughs> actually we do it at the wrong end. now that we're getting more in, you know, more embedded with the agencies that we work with, Um, and so we're in their strategy from the beginning with the clients. So that works better now, but, um, you know, actually the seven tens rules at the wrong end of the scale uh, uh, of the cycle, it should be at the beginning, check if they're going to like it, then make it not make it, send it to another company and they're going to check it because then you've just lost all the cost of making it. If it's not going to work, you know, and then you still, you know, so it should, I thought it would have been at the other end, but um, it's not. Uh, it's getting there now. I mean, you know, um, I, I sit on the diversity board of the WFA, so the World Federation of Advertisers, and you know, we, we discuss a lot about where these things stereo, you know, unstereotyping, diverse, um, diverse people in front and behind the cameras within production. Um, briefing out so that you have diverse characters within your ads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Where this all lies, whose responsibility is it um, throughout the chain? And actually, you know, I think what's going to come is that it's going to be part of the procurement process. So actually, to win Unilever and Diageo actually do a great one already, um, where they make their a- their agencies are incentivized to um, ensure diverse creative and diverse media planning. Um, uh, and, you know, they get more money from Diageo if they do that. If they don't, they get less money or none at all, you know, so which is great. And I think more and more brands are starting to do that. It's either within their procurement process or like Unilevers and GSKs and L'Oreal's that are really publicly you know, saying I want all my agencies work together more and make this, make sure that this is a main pillar, diversity, reaching diverse demographics in each of the different countries. Um, Our industry is not the best if you're ethnic, if you're from an ethnic minority. It's not, you know, you don't see that many people everywhere about. There's a few champions. Uh, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I can hopefully inspire other you know, black and brown kids to wanna to be CEOs. You know, there's not being many.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, it does sound like the the um, you know there's always improvement. This is always a, a kind of a, a, an ever moving um, target. There are always better things we can do. But it does, you know, even though it has been a kind of crappy year for all sorts of reasons. Um, it, it does seem as though from some of the stuff we've been talking about today, there has been some some meaningful change and, and long may it continue. Um, Christopher, unfortunately, this is all we've got time for today, but thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: No, thank you for having me. Sorry for waffling.
0: No problem. We love the waffle. Um, That's all for this week. Do tune in next week. Our guest is Bob Cohn, President and Managing Director of The Economist Group. As always, please rate and share this episode if you enjoyed it. See you next time.